Cradeline Network. My name is Conrad, I'll my friend Fox, and it's the 269th. Nice. Yeah, boy, yeah. <laughs> Episode of Space Spitter 2000, a podcast for two Americans trying to make sense. The UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for January 1993. Progs 1, progs 8, 16 to 8, 19. This time, new year, new us, we're back in the saddle and punching our way through these progs like a bunch of angry gorilla boys. Oh. <laughs> like a bunch of, of angry Sam Slade helpers no, from an alternate reality no. with, bunch of, with, 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 with boxing gloves, Fox. No, I hate that. I hate that ape. Like, I think it is a monkey, because yeah, it's got a tail. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Not a chimp. I've, I've uh, hopefully I've I've now gotten a bunch of pushback from in our action special coverage where we talked about giant ape superhero of classic British comics, My Tech the Mighty McGilla Gorilla. No, Great Ape. Close McGilla Gorilla. You're back again. Yes. This guy was My Tech the Mighty. who was a giant robot gorilla. Sounds that was cool. Used to enforce British colonialism. On oh, the people that's of not Africa. cool. That's not cool. None of that's cool. And then the action special is being used by a bunch of like apartheid dudes and stuff. What the fuck? And then a real giant gorilla came around. The two of them had a very, and an unfortunately brief fight. It was my bottom thrill. Oh. Of that special because there was not enough giant ape fighting. So they maximized the racism but reduced the amount of potential giant ape fighting. Essentially. And so, but I feel like I called my tech a monkey quite a bit in the course of that. And it's it's hurting my my delicate liberal conscience. Listen, us. they're interspecies, really. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <laughs> I evolved from one of them. Doesn't matter which. I guess I don't have the tail. That I would have liked the tail. Yeah. Oh, so you're part of the you're you're part of the family, so you can you can say what you well, want. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying is like to have to have this like appendage that you have somewhat yeah. control over gives you balance. You can hang on stuff. Plus, if I remember my X Files, people with tails can also be like shape changers and stuff. What the fuck? There's an episode of the X Files where a guy could become other people and stuff like that but it's because he had a tail and there was a real gross oh. like piece of like puppet work where you saw this dude's little fleshy tail hanging out over his butt and stuff oh, like that i don't remember that but that's gross listen i remember it because it was stained into my memory fox it if, was a scary show if you want to remember what we're talking about you can <laughs> read the comics we're covering today and judge read the complete case files 18 <laughs> And the Judge Dread magazines three what three eleven three oh five and three sixty one more in person podcasting folks never and forget really feel like if you could see us we're definitely like making moves and looks to an audience that isn't there <laughs> that is not each other but still like ain't I right folks that kind of thing. Aye, yuck 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 yeah, so keep on that that that's coloring our action as we now enter minute five of not talking about Aye, uh, you know you. Hey, Tharg, uh, you know, you heard about this? You, you read about this? Oh, man. <laughs> He's canceled, though, I think. Who? Uh, Letterman. David Letterman? Yeah. See, I always think of it as uh, the Norm MacDonald um, oh. imitation of David Letterman. We asked if you have any gum. But anyway, 
Anyway, Fox, 301, Judge Dredd. Speaking of updates. Speaking of getting ahead of this podcast. <laughs> mm-mm. Mm-mm. Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Anthony Williams, John McRae, John Higgins, and Colin McNeil. Letting robot, a Tom Frame. Hey! So Anthony Williams starts us out doing double duty in Prague 816, because he's here and in Robo Hunter. Uh, Chief Tech Judge Oppenheimer is briefing Magruder on a few things. Actually, just one main thing, which is that the head of Sabat <laughs> is still stuck in that dang lodestone from the end of Judgment There's Day. not much of his, like, real brain or I mean, he's doing, left. he's doing as well as anybody whose head stuck on the top of a giant <laughs> crystal will be doing, Fox. It's not too out of the ordinary. But the knock-on effect of that is, like, because there's an exposed lodestone, there's, like, a necromancer on there or something. Oh, man. Un, yeah. Un- not up to OSHA code. Definitely. And it means that unstable mystic energies are going to be causing infrequent problems going forward. Just keep that in mind. I Well, I mean, it's infrequent, but it's occurring right now. Well, yeah, I mean, infrequently means that it happens occasionally, and sometimes occasionally does mean now. Okay. Also weird is that uh, Magruder, like like many Conrads before her, has decided that, oh, it's the start of the new year, so I better shave. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of cuts. Yeah, no, she's definitely not not used to the shape, to the safety razor. Mm. She's got a uh, lot of blood spots there. Anyway, meanwhile... A dude named Billy Joe Gruppenfuhrer is kind of dead. And we were with Oppenheimer now Gruppenfuhrer. We got a lot of Nazi names in here. But anyway, um, he's watching the TV as his wife and dog are definitely dead. And Eaten up. Definitely partially gnawed on. Mm-hmm. Billy Joe then goes out to see the New Year's festivities, but then does seem to be occasionally involuntarily assuming the zombie arm position. You know, two arms straight out. <laughs> Hungry for brains. I mean, and flesh, he's doing the mash. No, no one knows what the monster mash is because the song is just about doing it. It's not about how you do the actual dance. If mummies and zombies do it, it's probably a part of the mash. Dracula and his son, Fox. <laughs> um, they do the mash. It's <laughs> great. I'm glad we could work a song into this. <laughs> Always. Uh, so Dredd's on the scene. And there's a pretty funny moment where, like, Dredd just kind of says, like, hey, what's with the arms, buddy? Yeah, it's like, you're being weird. Stop being weird. It's I, I mean, it's basically a citation. Yeah, well, first it was just like, you know, you're being weird. I want to check that out. Yeah. Then he starts talking about eating flesh. Then he tries to bite some lady. And so eventually Dredd just got to call in the psycho cubes here and he punches him out, knocks some teeth out loose and things yeah, like that as well. I think it's great. I mean, the number one way you stop a zombie from really hurting you is to remove its fingernails toenails and teeth yeah that michonne style or whatever from the walking dead i don't watch that show or read that comic really yeah there was a lady and whatever doesn't matter oh she she had the one with her brothers on the chains yeah and she had like a samurai sword yeah okay i'm 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 tangentially aware and they like didn't have jaw bones or arms or whatever yeah that's right so they couldn't hurt nobody yeah and so don't touch my brothers, I imagine, was the narrative there. And I think they were like also a zombie warn- a warning system or something. It's been a little while since oh, I've read okay. that part of The Walking Dead. That's, that's a little smart. Yeah. So um, a tech judge comes on the scene, se- identifies BJ as kind of dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's definitely not alive. I mean, he's got no heartbeat and stuff. 
I like his pencil-thin mustache. Definitely. And Garth Ennis may have um, just seen The Princess Bride or something like that in oh, this kind of yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he do, he will occasionally have zombie-like drives and mannerism. And mannerisms, and it's all caused by the lodestone, you got to imagine. Anyway, listen, we could deal with this, but why bother? <laughs> so Dredd just blows BJ's brains out and assigns the dude that's coming on duty on January on midnight January 1st to mop up the other remainders and I stuff. Just blow a hole right through him. And they do that whole thing where you like look through the hole blasted through the guy. And <laughs> Definitely. I love that. It's a great comedy show. Big shot. exit wound for sure. Yeah. Um, and so the you know, all is well that ends well, basically. The workers at Recycle are issued pump action shotguns in case new clients get too uppity. <laughs> And, you know, I'm always a big fan of just when we get to see that giant conveyor belt full of corpses at Recycle. Yeah, you, know? you got it. But you got to imagine, at least for me, there's got to be a hygiene concern on zombie flesh because it's nah. Recycle. Because if they aren't, listen. You know what? Maybe they homogenize listen, and pasteurize, right? Just to be a nerd about it, Fox, all right? Okay. It'd be one thing if the, the zombies were brought back to life because of some kind of virus. Oh, it's or Earth magic. You're or, right. Or whatever else. But they're being brought to back by magic. So yeah. it, the, edible. edible. Yeah, your science concerns are sort of dread turned into a werewolf once. So, so whatever. <laughs> Everything's fine. That's, so what we're saying is anything magically tainted is still edible. Ironically, dread turning into a werewolf is my ma- is my silver bullet for realism concerns. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Friend of the show, John McRae takes over on art here. He's my he's a friend of the show because he follows because we follow each other on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm, so I'm just going to say I love this doctor. Just to be clear. Yeah. And he shows us some very lazy mega citizens watching one of the city's least favorite shows. Hey, let's make things. It's like a, he's had foresight into YouTube. Absolutely. It's a very YouTube kind of channel. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to take this fucking crazy drill and just smash things <laughs> well i mean specifically yeah so this guy nigel bland he bores everybody by messing things up he destroys a bowl on a lathe that i must say fox i don't know if you've watched lathe videos on the internet i'm not they're good i mean i imagine so they're very relaxing or whatever where they just take a big thing of wood they spin it up real fast and then like put like a, a thing on there and it just kind of shave like you just put it in one place and because it's spinning it just kind of shaves into the side of the wood and stuff like oh, cool that. until they make like table legs and shit but there's youtube videos of it and people do some pretty crazy stuff i mean like i i mean i watched a, a dude make blacksmithing stuff on request mm-hmm. for the longest time you get to see all the cool tools that they do and all that nice. stuff i'm just saying like when i looked at this and i'm like this is 1990 some odd and it's like, this is now, like, it's like, don't blend this, or don't breathe this, or will it blend? blend yeah, will it blend is my, is the, uh, is the OG. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Bland does have problems, though. Basically, he's insane, because he's practicing all of his crafting techniques on citizens and kidnaps off the street. It's like my head is in a vice, Doc. Oh, literally. <laughs> he pulls out a chainsaw to make a dude into a, ch- into a toothbrush holder, and that doesn't seem great. That seems like a lot of wasted material, to be honest. Yeah, but that's how it is for a lot of DIY projects. Honestly. It's fair. Um, meanwhile, a pair of dudes are law-and-ordering, which is when you find a dead body while walking your dog or jogging. <laughs> First five minutes of Law and Ordering, maybe. Mm-hmm. That show, that's an American crime show in the cold. For me, 
the, like the, oh, cold, it's the open. cold open is great. The first five minutes of every episode is like somebody finding a body in Central Park. There's just they're walking a dog. There's someone something. chained to a thing in a basement, and someone hears it because their ball rolled by the thing. That kind of exactly. Yeah. So um, they find some dead bodies, and Dread arrives on the scene to investigate. Bunch of corpses, actually. So Dread orders ob- observations. Yeah, of the nearby Lecter block, mm? and a suspect okay. is quickly found. Dread gives chase, but the body dumper is actually a robot body dumper. But once they grab him, he quickly gives up the goods. Dread bursts in on Bland, his apartment full of like human head teapots, rib cage toast stands. Yeah, it's very psycho. Lots of gruesome bric-a-brac here. Yeah, I, I do like the toilet paper foot thing going it's on just, here. Yeah, it's just two feet. With a roll of toilet paper but in between them. But it's like, that's too far down, right? Like, because like you'd have to go all the way to the floor to get your toilet paper roll. I feel like you'd want the full, like, hips and legs and everything. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. This one's really at odds with our modern squatty potty aesthetics. Of toilet, yeah, toilet. exactly. But, like, maybe it's like if you're using those, one of those, like, uh, like Asian ones, I want to say, with, like, the oh, toilets yeah, on the floor just a or hole. whatever. Well, I mean, I guess you could just, like, like nail in the feet to the side of the wall, right? Not a lot of time for things being nailed into things. <laughs> anyway, Dread confronts this guy and he pulls out a triple headed skull mace that he made earlier. So great. This one's sort of playing off just the general like. And it's a flail. Thank you very much. Whatever. <laughs> but like that TV show thing of like, oh, like I'm going to show you how to bake this cake or how to make this thing. And we'll set this glue to dry. But here's what I made earlier as we can see the finished product. You know, <laughs> He's on brand. Yeah. Anyway, Dredd shoots the shit out of him. That's that. The, the day is saved. Hooray. I like gore. Oh, sorry. And then a head pops out of a lake. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird one. Okay. John Higgins takes over on art as an actor sings Aussie's Dream, which is a Tottenham Hotspurs fight song in like a big, like, I don't know, opera kind of setting. Yeah. As Don Kev Trevino is greeted by a man, an X-Man. I feel like the, it's really on the nose here, right? There's no subtext. Well, let <laughs> Just me. text. Listen. I feel like there could have been more in here. I feel like this is not enough of an X-Men series of X-Men jokes as I would like in 1992. Well, yeah, and there's there's no, like, through line for it. I mean, later we have the Prof X thing that comes up, but other than, yeah, yeah exactly. a little bit. So he hugs the Don and explodes. Later, Judges Dread and Cagney are investigating, and this seems to be a fancy new kind of Mega City 1 hitman, the X-plosive men. And we, I, you gotta you gotta hate that plosive. They're fine. They we meet Citizen Meek, who's just received a terminal diagnosis of the black puke, and is given the and uh, the X Men maker's address to provide for his family, like Chemical his wife X and baby son Dirk. And at the meetup, the citizen is given like a bottle of time release explosive. So he's got to get to his target on time. And here's where like. If they had literally, like, made this explosive dealers, like, a bald guy in a wheelchair. That would have been good. This would have been perfect. Yeah. Like, there's just... There's but now you, you go to the meetup after the doc kind of, like, it's like, 
it really is prof- like what is it the professor from the powerpuff girls a little bit right? yeah. and then it's like meet up at this place where this guy is going to give you a drink of shit yeah like if all of these x-men and x-men makers had been sort of even vague caricatures of popular x-men at the right. time instead of the the wolverine it it's like hey you're gonna go meet up with my guy the badger but like even if like the guy the first x-men that exploded it had like been completely the same but he'd had like that like Wolverine haircut oh, kind yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Or said bub, then mm-hmm. that would have that this would have been excellent, especially in '93, which 92, 93 were really in the height of X-Men stuff. Yeah, like, this is like when this completely. Like this is when like the Saturday morning cartoons on in the in America and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the most rockin' and the cartoon ever. No more singing Derek Dread dead enough. Um so we see the X-Men guy, the, the maker guy uh, preparing another X-Men as Dredd expe- um, investigates. It's a fatty. Yeah, they he's, dropped, he's, just, he's putting a bomb in the man's mouth. Putting a giant torpedo, like flant, like torpedo with the wings and stuff. I just down some giant, de- down some fatty's gullet. And quite literally, you don't need the flanges on there. You could just like solder those things off. Like you or give not, it, not, not you solder, put it in a dude because it's already dude direct. It doesn't have to be yeah. aerodynamic. Anyway, Dredd bursts in. He wants answers. The Bomb maker requ- and the bomb maker's requests for Fifth Amendment protections fall on deaf ears. We don't got no fifth. Yeah, nobody. You're here done in Mega City One. Get out of here. Um, Dread gets the information about all this stuff and fans and uh, radios ahead to warn the fancy Legor restaurant where Meat nervously finds his target as Dread rushes after him. I think there's a really funny part where the waiters see him and shout, "Mondrock, said Dread." <laughs> um, hiding in a bush yeah. hiding in a plant rather it's Mondrock instead of Mondu because uh, of the different yeah. re- religions or whatever so Dread punches meat bloody and throws him out the window when it's clear he can't stop his, his exploding he dedicates his death to little Dirk and Dread doesn't care about that no it's one like, knows who, that who's little Dirk who cares yeah. <laughs> like it's Dread moves on but don't worry though, there's plenty more X-Men where he came from as we see another mob boss about to be axed. That's pretty good. Have fun. Of course, it's great to see John Higgins. It's been a little while since we've seen his work in the prog, so I appreciate it. And speaking of top artists, honestly, uh, Colin McNeil takes oh over God. our art now. I, I, I like the, the, the heart open on a lady's butt. <laughs> absolutely. And between... Uh, McCray, Higgins, and now McNeil. This is just a really stacked start of the it, year. It truly is. I love Williams this is, look. is fine too, but man, I'm a big McNeil fan. We've seen him mostly in the magazine where he's done America and just coming off Mechanismo, actually. So mm. very cool. See if do some cityscape stuff here. Anyway, Sugar Fox. In college, I had a history professor that called it the most destructive product in human history. Choose Both candy. In- Oh, yeah, Texas tea sweetener, both in terms oh. of, of the damage it does to human beings who consume it and the humans who produce it. It's terrible. Oh. Thus, it's outlawed Mega City One, which oh means God. that the black market sugar trade is, is thriving, and tonight they'll be a snowstorm. There's a... Okay, so... Cards on the table. I don't know anything about this, mm-hmm. but some of the language they use within this confines, well, what I really yeah. is a bit damning for some of the people who are writing it. Well, what I love about this is that it feels like this would exactly be 
um, an episode. So like, you know, the, uh, the cop show like Dragnet, right? Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I, I really vividly remember there was an episode of Dragnet that was about um, LSD, which was a new drug at the time, basically. Well, not new for the military, but yes. Okay, get out of your MK Ultra. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was in the 60s, so it was still relatively new. Like, it okay. was, like LSD wasn't even illegal at the point of that episode, no. for instance. But the doctor so, made it took a bike ride after he tested it. <laughs> ah, but so they'd sometimes do one of these things where they just like this episode, we're just going to demonize this new drug, basically. Mm. And this episode of Dread feels exactly like a like reefer madness, but for sugar, basically. Sure. I, they're just using words like it's been cut with or yeah. like. Well, then because also then they're taking all the stuff from like a, from like an after school special about cocaine or something like that and just repurposing it for sugar. I think that's part of the satire. I, mean, I just well, it's sure. I just don't I don't especially in shit that I know of other than like say law and order where they apps there are tons of people who are doing cocaine on that show mm-hmm. but like no one knows that you you can cut drugs with other worse things I not feel, back in the 90s i feel like you do i because because you've watched like new jack city or something like that and you're seeing all this stuff or a scarface for that matter oh that's fair like you're like i feel fear I'm, and loathing <laughs> I mean, well, you've read that maybe, yeah. but like, I feel like most of the things that made me cognizant of the drug trade was in place by 1993. Oh man, everything that made me cognizant of it was like in circa 2000. Mm, see, a little bit of a different generational difference I'm here. just saying. These eld- elder millennials versus <laughs> regular millennials, I guess. <laughs> I mean, so I, I maybe if people didn't know, and I feel like if, you know, again, we're, we're marketing towards teenagers these days in 2008. I mean, big licks and three X's, I guess. Yeah. If you're a teenager, I feel like you might have an idea. And if you don't, then it's an Easter egg for the people who do. So it's yeah. good times, I guess. Um, so we get some great, yeah, like you said, Mega City One Cityscape started this comic. And then we meet an up and coming snowman, a.k.a. sugar dealer, Vinny Toretto, because the only thing sweeter than Sugar Fox is family. And... <laughs> It's spelled differently than Dom Toretto, for the record. But anyway, he's meeting with an Andean sugar sp- uh, uh, smuggler from the Andean Conurb. Complete with fucking racist he's got He's got native garb. And Toretto tests the sugar in a bowl of porridge. Primo cane. Yeah, and he's it, he says it's like an old trick to use porridge because the guy's like, oh, well, that's weird. Like, why would you? He's like, nah, man. It's because that's how you know it's the good stuff. Exactly, yeah. And so... They start, they buy the sugar, they start distributing it, but oh no, there's something wrong with the shipment. The sugar's been cut with Sweetex. These things. And Sweetex is a UK brand, a uh, saccharin sugar sweetener. Blech. They call the grains of it tablets, Fox, which is really confusing to me. I'm not, I'm not a saccharin man. It's fair. So, um, Toretto's pissed. Luckily, the cash he paid the Andeans with has a tracer in it, so we can go after them and get revenge. Meanwhile, Dread collars a sugar pusher and rouge sunglasses and three rat tails, Fox. I, you know, you gotta respect doubling no. and then tripling down. I don't gotta do nothing. Well, no, because, like, the first one, you're like, okay, it's bad. The second one, no, you're right. No, at the third one, you're like, stop doing it. You're at Anakin levels, and that's too many. Oh, no. I rescind my comments. So... The dealer gives up Toretto as the boss prepares his goons for war. But as they prepare to head out, Dread and another judge burst in, 
shooting everybody. Even they blow the hand off. Yeah, some I dude love that. That's about to try to wipe the data. He's like, file. wipe the data. And he's like, hands off. <laughs> Just explode. See, this is what I love. It's the comment. Hands off. Shoots the hand. Then explains. Hands, hands off. off means hands off. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Toretto gets taken out by a heat seeker. But the judges manage to find the tracker and link it to the Andeans. And those guys are in turn now making their way out of a gap in the city wall. And the whole operation's been wrapped up. But don't get too cocky. There's still plenty of snow to be shoveled off the streets of Mega City One. Oh. Uh, okay. Because they call sugar snow in this situation. They also call cocaine that, so I don't... <laughs> I mean, cocaine's also legal. They'd also <laughs> yes. like to get that off the streets. I imagine. I mean, I don't. I, they don't really talk about drug, drugs and shred, do they? No, I mean, I well, I. It's think, done. It's done in sort of you know, calling yeah, things sugar. I wonder if they're just worried about like being too too controversial. Of course they are. They doused yeah. a man in gasoline and set him on fire in the seventies. That was yeah. That was like fifteen years I, ago. It's, listen, I I have what sticks in my brain, but. Yeah, but so, like, you know... Oh, God, I, that was Fleetweight, too. That was a long time ago. That was, like, the first year, buddy. Yeah. But, um, I yeah, I think um, it is just safer to have either silly stuff like Sugar Be Outlawed or you have, like, a like a fake drug, like a nuke or something like that, one of the weird sci-fi oh, drugs. I mean, look, they, they have, like, weapons and they have things that we would normally consider as normal Right, but being illegal, right? As the like, that's what I kind of like. Or even I really enjoyed Dread. This it was this, this one. There's a bunch of fun one-off Dreads, you know, yeah. a lot of like slice of life of Mega City ones. There were a couple ones where I feel like like Dread didn't even come in until about halfway through the story. Which is so. I again, I think the the strength of Judge Dread is the, is the world that he lives. Right, in. right. But I think generally just having these ones that are these little like here's something that we're familiar with in our time. And then putting it into Mega City One and making it kind of silly, like those mm. are these are the 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 moment to moment dreads that I really appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Really, really helps you kind of come into the comic book before some other things that happen. Absolutely, yeah. Listen, you start strong and then you go on to other things uh, and end up dead meat. Thrill to dead meat. Script about Michael Cook, art robot Simon Jacob, letting robot Alita fell. All right, so the Texas Embassy Fox is under arrest and mafia and the mafia hoodlums that exploded it are boating away. With, like, fireworks? No, no, they used massive guns. No, they used big explosives. This place is <clears throat> on fire and blowing up a little bit. This whole chase scene is real dumb. Yes. Sheep uh, <laughs> cop Larry Ram gives chase in front of the show Sheridan tells me that his name is a reference to the BB show called Toy Town, where there's a character called Larry the Lamb. So this is kind of a grown, I don't know, whatever. That's why he's called Larry. That's interesting. The boat... Uh, the only interesting thing about him, really. Mm. The boat heads into a maze of flooded skyscrapers in the middle of flooded, flooded London as Ram fights with his AI navigation system. Which can't connect because of reason, and it's dumb. I'm surprised they even had this joke in 93, honestly. But um, it then hits some submerged debris, and Ram goes flying into the drink. At the embassy, Vera Brett meets with the ambassador who's busy blaming Ram for the explosions. And not caring about the people inside the... Well, I mean, they're definitely dead. Yeah. He keeps yelling at Brett till she slaps him and tries to get him to help the injured scattered around the, around the scene. And like any Texan, he responds to brutality with humility. <laughs> I mean, he's instantly... He's instantly cowed. Oh! <laughs> 
Shut up. It's funny. It's, it's funny because it's about meat. Yeah. See what I'm talking about? That's good. That's funnier than this comic book is. Hey, listen. Um, you know, they're committed to sheep puns. They don't get it. They can barely make it into my uh, into my bull puns. So in other words, they're sheepish about any. That one worked. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. So sorry. Please let's escape the hell of death. Ram has regained his his water bike and is going after that gunboat as they plan to lose him in the money maze, which are specifically the remains of banking buildings from the pre flood when he probably gets knocked off his bike and knocked out. At Pulse headquarters, the ambassador's demanding protection from further attacks. No, from the Joker, man. Look, he's the Joker. Yeah, well, that's the lead. Like, the boss of Pulse has, like, green hair and a fancy suit. Jared Leto look. Also an earring, and he decides to settle the ambassador's ash. But, it's like, I'll give him protection, all right. I'll make his bodyguard Inspector Ram. Oh, God, it's a real thing that is keeping me engaged. <laughs> Back at Pulse HQ, Brett is watching the video of Goldilocks' music video. It seems the Texas ambassador is allergic to fur and doesn't own any, so that fur rug couldn't belong to okay, him. So this is this is the one aside I'll do. And Michael Cook, Simon J. I'm sorry for doing this, but when when your reveal is not supposed to be your reveal, but it's like the the middle top panel is I'm looking at the video and the middle bottom panel is definitely the silhouette of the person. Mm. The only other character it could be having a female silhouette. I mean, I would, yeah, I would say this is on purpose, but absolutely. Um, it's just, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So what's Goldie up to? Meanwhile, the Dixon doc mob are getting yelled at by their mysterious boss. Number one, who now needs some special livestock delivered, and like you said, has a very interesting silhouette. Mm. Mm. At the Texas Embassy, Ram arrives and offers his protection, much the chagrin of Ambassador McDonald. He offers Ram a drumstick and then shows him to an improvised indoor rodeo field that they've built. A cowboy named Johnny Lasso goes out on a bucking bronco, though instead of a horse, which is what an actual bronco is, they're using a British bullock. It's and it'll then be made into steaks. It's pretty big. It's made out of just all muscle. Definitely. It's got, it's, you know, swole as fuck. Yeah. So Johnny Lasso, Fox, is an American who's come to tame this savage beast, but... He's unable to do it, unlike another American named Ted Lasso, who's won all of our hearts. No? No. Sorry. I don't know Ted Lasso. Oh, it's a show on on Apple TV or something. People like it. Yeah, okay. That's good. I'm going to cut all this out because my joke didn't win. (laughs) Terrible. Johnny Lasso. Okay. Um, Instead, Johnny Lasso gets bucked and the animal beelines the ambassador like it's aimed right toward him or something like that oh well that's that allows you to just scream it's coming right for us and shoot it without mm. a permit i mean that's what the ambassador wants to do but ram disagrees In the nick of time he jumps onto the bullock's back and rides it around trying to free it of its consisting of its constricting weird like remote control harness kind of thing i don't know um the bull goes running out the pen and onto embassy grounds, trashing the place until finally Ram butts the bull and knocks it out. But only after it's gotten off of embassy, pro- embassy property so it can be arrested for taking part in blood sports and not turned into dinner. I honestly feel like the lawn is still the embassy. 
you know, I'm sure. Well, because that just means like you can have all of the armed army that you want right up until the door. Usually there's like a gate around the embassy and you got to get to this side of that. Who knows? Maybe inconsistency, you know, dead meat. I'm really Texas is too cheap to get that kind of infrastructure. You know, I don't know. I don't know. That's fair. Could be anything. That's fair. Um, Anyway, this was also a murder attempt. Someone's clearly trying to take up. <laughs> oh, secondarily, the guy I'm trying to protect almost got signed. Yeah, not very good at this. So Ram is watching the ambassador very closely. We see him in the same bathroom, stall as him before they go back on the Goldilocks show. You're really glossing over the fact that this Ram wanted to see a man take a piss. He's got his back to him. He's watching the door, Fox. You can He's see their peeking you around at, constantly. You can see their feet pointed in different directions. I can direction. turn around with my feet facing one direction. Listen, I have a wide stance, all right? So you shouldn't implicate <laughs> me in these things. I obstruct. <laughs> Weird late nineties political scandal references. <laughs> Um, so the goal, this, they're back at the Goldilocks gas bag show being interviewed at what seems to be Goldie's last episode. The two share some odd couple shenanigans as members of the crowd of various silly questions, including shameless in- exhibitionists who are asking provocative questions at the behest of producers. And also want to glom on to her. Yes. Cry. A nerd that loves Goldie so much and doesn't want to see her go. And she's a-okay with him just Burying his face in her chest. I guess it's okay. Back at Pulse HQ, Brett is watching the show as well and theorizing that they actually might have something on Goldie as the hostess um, shows archive footage of Ram gunning down some meat merchants mm. then asks why anyone would want to kill Ambassador McDonald. The Ambassador has a few opinions about why that might be, but then the lights go out and he disappears. Crap. Ram gives chase, but the apparent kidnappers escape into a boat and murder motor away. He's lost him, and so he crushes walkie-talkie. I don't think that. Anyway, matter. the Dixon Dock boys are pulled up by the cops. They were they were the speeding boat, but there's no sign of the ambassador, and they kind of lay hey. out a dog and pony show. I was just scared when things went dark, so I just ran and kept running. I don't know. Um, Ram theorizes that they might be a decoy and heads back to the TV station where he bursts in a window and just happens to meet Vera Brett, his partner, who's also investigating Goldie. He's vicious of. Great work, everybody. Brett explains that she's been re-watching Goldie's music video and realizes that it couldn't have been taped in the, embassy, in the Texas embassy because of a view out the window. Plus, they looked at the infrared video of the blackout in the talk show taping. <laughs> he had a rocket chair under his butt. Yeah, there's like a spring chair that he yeah. went flying to the ceiling with. So obviously, yeah, he's still hoo-hoo, in here. Hoo-hoo-y. Anyway, time to search the place. Elsewhere, we see Goldie, the Dixon Doc, and the, with the Dixon Doc boys, ho- um, holding the tied-up ambassador. And she, you know, monologues that she's doing it all for fame. Tired of hosting a chat Doing it all show. for the meat. Mm-hmm. She's only top of the chart. Only top of the music charts right now because of all because of publicity and payola paid for because of the illicit meat running she's been doing. But he's fucking that all up. What with this big old lavish meat party? Yeah, he's having lavish meat parties, and now the rich people are just going to those instead of buying her prime rib, etc. Okay. <laughs> anyway, now she's gonna turn them into burgers. Oh no! Meanwhile, Ram is just headbutting through a bunch of TV show oh, sets. There's a new studio, like a Australian soap opera. Oh, McLeod's daughters. Here you go. 
That's the one Australian soap opera I know because my dad watches it. I feel like Neighbors is a big one. Don't know it. I only know McLeod's Daughters. I'll take your word for it. I don't know. <laughs> it's about a horse ranch. Finally. <laughs> full of ladies. Well, I know EastEnders is about a stocking company. And like stock ladies stockings? Yes. Oh. I've never watched EastEnders. And maybe that was Coronation Street. One of those two. Don't I'm, add I'm me. Not, I don't want to know. I've not watched either. Mel, uh, Melrose Place is about an advertising firm. That but also a hospital. Watch these things. And Beverly Hills 90210 is mostly about school. Yeah. No, in a, in a house that everyone lives in. Well, like, yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, well, first it was just, well, let's move on. All right. <laughs> so uh, meanwhile, Ram's head. Yeah. So he gets through, but eventually he just hears the ambassador screaming help and bursts in on them. Hail. And eventually uh, on finds the Dixon Dock boys. The Dixon Dockers about to hack the ambassador up with giant meat cleavers Dude, and a gunfight. Awesome. They are pretty cool meat cleavers. I like, I like the, it, it is truly an axe. But it is mostly a meat cleaver. It's got the little, little hole in it. Yeah, yeah. blood hole or whatever. Anyway, next time on Dead Meat, a star is born. Next time on Dead Meat, why? Because it's fun. Is it? No, it's not. Did you have fun with this, Conrad? Hey, let's listen, Fox. You know what I do have fun with? What? The godlike powers of pagan artifacts. You know? Thrill three, friends. Script about Pat Mills and Tony Skinner. Art about Jim Elston and Kevin Weiss. Letting about Steve Potter. Now I am the god. The god. Yeah, Finn's the god now, sucker. <laughs> With the tabula rasa secured to his helmet. I'm, I'm the god now, dog. Yeah, look at me. I'm the god now. That's beautiful. Do my best. Um, the tabular is secured in his helmet. Finn flies out of that security building he was held in in a gout of seawater. Blasting goons. Instantly depowering shiny ones, like shining ones that come after him as he goes. Full of this godlike power, he smashes through the ceiling, through a ceiling to confront Lord Michael Courtney. But it seems like he's also got that eternal and unkillable thing that uh, High Priestess Mandy does. So he just leaves his murder weapon. Yeah, and so he just gives Courtney the dragon tooth that he used to kill Nasiren with. I would have kept that. It seems like it's effective. You can get another one. And plus, you know, you can't underestimate just totally burning one of your adversaries <laughs> interpersonally. I killed your boss. Bye. Yeah. He lands outside of Mandy's and willingly gives her the tabula rasa. He's never been keen on superheroes, he says, and asks what his next mission is. You know, something like take the fight to the newts, liberate some dimensions. Nope. He's got to run the Tombola and Sid Cup this weekend. Well, Ordinary things are just as important as extraordinary things, I guess. Got to keep your cover. I don't know if that's exactly true, but <laughs> at least there'll be a when the battle for Cornwall finally breaks out, they'll be a, on a bit more even footing. I just wouldn't have given my god powers to the leader in me. Um, but she said you got the god powers in the first place, buddy. You got to think about it. Yeah. Take the god powers and run. Go on. Take the god powers and run. While I appreciate your song. You're also what Pat Mills says is wrong about dudes. <laughs> anyway. Taking my God powers? Yeah. Okay. Um. So. Oh, no, you're fair. That's exactly what the, those weird aliens did. Yeah, because they'd like kill like their own mothers to get the tabula rasa. Well, I wouldn't kill my mom to get superpowers. So you're making me question that. I, I would double cross. I would triple cross the lady who double cross. 
Oh, fair. Okay, anyway, we see Finn. He looks out on the sea on St. Michael's Island and reflects on the continuing ebb and flow of the universe and thinks that maybe those newts aren't all that great when you think about it. Yeah, I know. When you really stop and think about it. <laughs> anyway, the end for now of Finn, but Finn will return in early 1995. So That's really unfortunately long from ways. now. Well, you know, we're, listen, I mean, the fact is we're in... Like all the all Pat Mills stuff has kind of a unified theme now. So, you know, we're going from Finn to Flesh. We'll go from Flesh to Slain, I believe, and then even a little bit of Nemesis and stuff in that period. So, you know, if you like this pagan stuff, we're gonna be coming at it from all angles. I don't. Well, how do you feel about voodoo stuff, Fox? Uh the voodoo or, hoodoo that you do so well or seancey ouija ouija board we've weirdness. had this discussion i think seances are bullshit mm-hmm. and all about uh basically taking advantage of very sad people well i hope you like seance stories because you're in the middle of one three four Burgandum. i like seances that end with each shotgun mm, there Good for Alan McKenzie, art about Dave Dantiki, learning about any park house. Oh man, that evil brigand Doom is doing crimes in the city. But his crimes are, I'll give you all this food, now give me your food. He's stealing one set of food, he's swapping that food out with other people's food, and then going with that second set of food to parts unknown, Fox. And as we know, that's a sin. Ain't it, though. So, uh, <laughs> Investigator Nine's video conferencing on her workstation and recognizes Doom's description despite having killed him like a pretty long while ago. I mean, she's even looking at a picture of him like, oh, yeah. that's Doom. The official recaps that Doom stole a truckload of food meant for a fancy society banquet and swapped it for all the food at a um, set of people experiencing homelessness. They call it a camp for the terminally work shy under a highway bypass. God, that's some fucking group thing isn't yeah, it yeah that it's the part that's the part of Rick and doom i wish they talked about more i completely <laughs> fucking agree they go on this whole poltergeist i'm dead i'm coming back to life but i mean i know this no, is, should be for the end i want none know, of this is good i want him to be like a, a fighter for the people it's a v for vendetta story yeah, i want to know about the fancy more about what goes on at the fancy banquets at the department of fiscal redistribution that's yeah, interesting i don't exactly. know exactly but so the next night at the dinner at that department, Doom forces the fancy chefs to unload and serve gross poor people food to those richers. It's a big prank. Yeah, while you, I mean, you just go in as the dead stinky guy with a shotgun and say, no, make the food. Yeah. Which I guess if I was like the cook, I'd be like, we can't make this. We'll just pile it onto plates. Good enough. I think that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> So the counselor, the city councilman we saw last episode, Madame Blavatsky, are humiliated. And then Doom shows up. He plinks one of his mysterious capsules and blasts a hole in the councilman. Tells everyone to eat. Eat this gross food. (laughs) Oh, it's all old pot noodles and fray bentos. Very English, weird food. Eat it. They said it it was like orange peels and uh, and, uh, like the... It's like bacon something. Coffee like grounds. of bacon. Yeah, yeah. Eat these bacon butts. Do yeah. it. I So when he first said that, I thought he was saying eat to the corpse he just made. I feel like he could be saying that too. But anyway, later nine and, and a bunch of stormtroopers are picking up the pieces as Blavatsky is taken home because she's the organizer of these yearly banquets. And the, uh, the stormtrooper on the scene confirms that it was definitely... 
Brigandu's head all looming over the city. Mm. So Investigator 9 goes to talk to Madame Blavatsky, checking out her very well-appointed apartment. The medium says that Doom will be after her next. She can feel his vibrations. They are not good vibrations, folks. <laughs> I'm picking up possible vibrations. Oh, um, God. <laughs> not sweet sensation. Uh, so Nine is skeptical, but says there are guards on the madam's door, so it should be fine. The guards say lewd things about Investigator Nine as she leaves and are immediately Dirty murdered boys. by Brigand Doom. That's Just what right happens. Right away. Cracks a man's neck. The guy's like, oh, are you asleep over there? No, you're dead. I'm going to kill you. I'm Brigand Doom. Vlatsky hears the commotion and demands this spirit identify herself and some letter cards that she's got fall over spelling out, my name is Brigand Doom. Exactly. Plinks another capsule. Brings a message from beyond the grave, but Bavlatsky's got some mystic shit of her own and tries to deconjure him. No, yeah. that won't work. Yeah. I am dead, but I am not an angry spirit. Yeah, no I dice. Do, however, know a few spirits. They are very keen to meet you. A guy with a Macintosh did voodoo shit, so he's <laughs> more powerful than you'd expect. Um, yeah, got some spirit buddies of his own. The ghosts of those that starved to death while she was having fancy rich guy banquets. Time to die, ironically, ghost style. I feel like, but she wasn't taking their food. No. So, but that could be anybody. Yes. Who was eating food. Yes, this is a classic, but you participate in society kind of ironic murder. But she didn't kill, like, if she was, like, director of food distribution. She could have been given that food to the poor fox. Yeah, but so could literally everybody else. Yeah, right? yeah, we could, which is why we should all change our ways or bring in Doom's going to get us. That's right. I don't like this story. <laughs> oh, man, but the medium is immune to spirits, or so she says. She God, this is like the 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 we're, like schoolyard. We're in a big six-year-old power fight here. <laughs> she tries to blow them away like mist, but nah, it doesn't work that way. Doom's will is iron and is... Uh, preserving them she tries to spirit blast them but nah that doesn't work instead doom describes her ironic death the ghosts of the starved feasting on her overfed flesh they could have made her fatter for the record if you really wanted to kind of do some stuff here and so she explodes with energy because of the emptiness and despair mm. Invest investigator nine's once more there to pick up the pieces and they're calling it spontaneous combustion at the scene, Bullshit. Nine meets a shadow of doom, and they talk about why he killed her, that it was Blavatsky's spiritual meddling that enabled him to return and do so. See, that this is like the voodoo garbage. It's not as bad as the voodoo. Mm. But it's still like, it's it's like edging on that voodoo garbage, not, man. It's not good. Um, um, and she asks what it'll take to stop him, and he doesn't know that's just their fate. Kind of a Batman Joker kind of thing. I don't know. The only way that this gets good is that if she self-reflects at some point in this comic, and it was her the whole time. But, like, one, I super agree that for this to be worth anything, Nine's got to be doing these murders. Yeah. But... It doesn't, it gets weirder when the people are dying, not from elaborate serial killer stuff, yeah. but because they're blowing up because of ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
I mean, they said it was spontaneous combustion, right? Filler full of gasoline and lighter mouth. But I need some explanation. I need to see some. Oh, I'm there. No, I I cannot cover for this comic outside of the first time we read it. Like there could be stuff, but again, this is just leaning into this. The first Brigand Doom was like, I'm infiltrating this compound to kill these fuckers. Yeah, I think generally we can agree that the problem with Brigand Doom is that there's parts with that we really like, but those are, those are not the parts that the, that Alan McKenzie likes, the writer for this. No, I, it's just like <laughs> leaning super into like the, the spiritual psychosis aspect. Like, why is he still taking these drugs if that even matters? Yeah, what does that mean? What's go- Anyway, I don't know. But that's it for Brigand Doom for now. He'll be back in the Progs in 1994. And of course, he'll also be in the sci-fi and winter specials this year. Because that's how, again... Al McKenzie rolls. He's putting his shit in. He's putting his stuff in these specials. That's how it goes. Anyway, listen, enough of these stories, Fox. I'm tired of talking about stories. No, I like talking about stories. No, no, no. Instead, we're going to talk about non-thrills, covers, and nerve centers. Before we get to the covers and stuff, I want to talk briefly about what's going on here. What's going on in 2080 behind the scenes as we go into 1993. Okay. So... I'm taking a lot of this from Thrill Power Overload for the record, just in case people are like, oh, that's not what happened. No, you've got you've got the historicals. You've yeah. got the you've got the nonfiction. Yeah. So, OK, so um, the big thing that we're going to start. Oh, sorry, I should say I'm taking from Thrill Power Overload, but any errors are certainly my own, whatever. So in this year, we are we'll continue with our editorial team of Richard Burton and Alan McKenzie. But. As we're starting this year, Richard Burton is also in the process of launching the UK Sonic comic title. Oh, yeah. And that's actually going to end up taking up a lot of his time. <laughs> okay. Or at least his focus. So sub-editor Alan McKenzie. He's got that Sega money. Is going to end up doing a lot of the day-to-day editorial on the prog. And then he's going to be assisted by sub-editor John Tomlinson. Anyway, is this like a changing of the guard moment? Yeah, like eventually Mackenzie will become full editor with Thomas and his sub-editor. Oh, that's cool. Okay. But I forget if that happens in 93 or if it's early 94 or okay. something like that. Um, but so, but they're also just going to be making more editorial decisions, we'll see as the year goes on. Um, in a f- also in a few months, I think actually maybe next episode or so, 2000 AD's publisher Egmont will also change their distributor, the distributor of 2000 AD, from IPC Market Force to a company called ConMag. And this, and I wouldn't mention that really, except that this decision proves to be disastrous because oh, okay. apparently 2000 AD was actually benefiting from various secret special relationships that like IPC salesmen and employees had with wholesalers or something like well, that. Well, there's your problem. But so <laughs> basically, because no one was aware of that, over our next couple episodes, 2000 AD sales figures will drop from 85,000 a week to 65,000 a week. Oh, God, that's a lot of units. Which is precipitous and a big deal, indeed. Welcome to the 90s, ladies and gentlemen. We made bad choices. Yeah, we're entering into a tumultuous time for 2000 AD, both in terms of business and editorially. But a lot of the editorial stuff for 93 we'll be seeing as it happens in the prog. So I don't want to talk about it all that much at the time. But, you know, we'll get we'll when it happens, we'll we'll know it. (laughs) The pages of, uh, of 2000 AD. Yep, you'll see. 
Okay, so now to the progs. Prog 816, Pagan Power. Yeah, he's doing a Kamehameha wave at our face. Yeah, Mick Austin draws Finn, blasting some fools with Tabula Rasa power. It's a blank slate for ass-kicking, Fox. I had to get it in. In the nerve center, Tharg refuses to wish us a happy new year. As Tharg knows the future, it knows that this year may not be happy for everyone, including himself, as I just mentioned. Um, He also teases a dread movie directed by Francis Ford Coppola starring... Arnold Schwarzenegger and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's not. That didn't happen. Although that would have been awesome. I'm for it. Um, and teases both. Anderson, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. I could see that. Do it. Um, and teases both mass UFO cat, uh, kidnappings and an end to the recession. Um, he also wishes. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. instead of all that stuff, he said he just wishes us a Jarzag, Neep, Drubelnik, which I believe means Happy New Year. Um, that also appears in the background of the nerve center, those letters. He also plugs the subscription service, which, as you can imagine, wow. we're very interested in at this point. Yeah. Mid-prog, there's some very there's a very plain ad for the best of 2008 monthly, and a free badge is being included in Superman 55. The input page has pictures of a big-headed Judge Shrink, a clown like Judge Saunders, or a clown like Judge Saunders, and a suspenders-wearing Judge Fred. Letters quote Nostradamus about the end of the world, while another suggests a giant ice ball hit the earth in the year 2116. The prog ends what? with the future shop, which has new items like a Audrey Wong in a long-sleeved black dread t-shirt. Oh, I'm into that. Yeah, I remember the picture. She's definitely great. good times. There's a Judge Dread keyring and dread posters by Dave Dorman, William Marr, and Jose Casanovas. And I don't even know what's going on, because I don't know who those first two artists are. That's weird. I know who Jose Casanovas is. Absolutely. Prog 817, Gronked. Nigel oh, Dobbin yeah. draws the Gronk. He's back. He's kicking ass. He's kicking asses. I was excited. Mm. I love, though, the uh, the way the signature is, actually, on mm. this cover. There's like a uh, there's like a license plate or a piece of like paneling that's flying out behind oh. the Gronk, and you can see Dobbin and the year ninety two. Oh, it's like a license plate on the plate. back there. Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of smooth. In the nerve center, Tharg demands compliments for starting two new thrills. This uh, issue nope. again plugs the subscription service. Um, also, a big list of publications available, including Red Dwarf Eleven, which has a picture of Rimmer getting oiled up from the fifth series episode Terraform. What the fuck? It's important to be oiling, oiled because it better conducts the electricity. Fox. All I'm saying is that this looks like a softcore porno. A little bit. Mid Frog Judge Dread Monthly is joining Superman because it's also given away a free badge in the latest issue. And the input page is pictures. Of a blindfolded dread, blind justice, anyone? And letters asking for the removal of of humor from Judge Dread. There's demand to know what they'll call the comic in the year 2000, and that the comic be or that the comic be banned because it's too addictive. Another letter seems cool as a dude and his friends all dressed like dread to go to a clubbing. Yeah, that seems awesome. That's fucking awesome. Great work, everyone. Yeah, and then they include a sweet photo of five dudes in dread cosplay oh, living yeah. it up. A final letter questions Magruder's femininity, which is not cool. Wow. Lots of women have facial hair, just hormones and stuff. Check your privilege. You'd be, you, you, your mom probably's got some whiskers, buddy. You just aren't aware of it. Goddamn rude-ass kids. That's right. Prog 818, loser by a nose. John Higgins draws dread, scoping out a severed schnoz. Mm. In the nerve center, uh, Tharg explains what an editor in the comics does. Mostly um, describes it as what goes into the narration boxes. 
Um, there is also, again, a listing for the subscription service. The input page has pictures of Judge Chucky and Judge Leatherface, very horror-based uh, nerve center this January. Yeah. Letters call out a real Celtic 13 month in relation to a story in the winter special. They say wireheads is the worst thing in 2018 well, since Ace Garp. Wow. What? That's damning. That's a burn on Garp, buddy. Yeah. I mean, wire wireheads wasn't the worst that's happened. No. And especially when you're pulling as far back as Ace. Ace I, didn't end well. I, I don't think it was good, though, wireheads. We had a good time reading it, though, and that's what's important. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the friends we made along the way. Absolutely. Another letter from a female reader demanding a second mug for her friend, but Tharx has no dice. Wow, As rude. another letter is angry that Judge Perrier was killed during Judgment Day. And I'm fine with that, man. I mean, you know, sacrificial lamb. I'm fine with the dying. I'm fine with being angry that she died. Krug 819, say arg. Rest in peace. <laughs> a poor dinosaur human is about to get t-rex in this carl critchlow cover also there's text on the top of this cover promising more great robo hunter news no but for once it's that there's more robo hunter boo it's not good news in the nerve center tharg once more defends himself from charges of anti-irish racism stemming from a judge joyce story what the fuck? <laughs> it happens a lot and we get an installment of droid profiles which we have not in the dog's age this time it's about Art designer RoboCook, the Steve Cook droid. Nice. He designs all the logos and a lot of the advertising and layouts and stuff like that for 2000 AD. But because his robot name is RoboCook, I always think his name is Robin, but it is. Or oh, Rob, okay. maybe, but no. The input page has an extremely tough looking death metal dread covered in like badges and symbols and gargoyles and shit. Um, it's a very like 13 year old's image. Absolutely. This is a. 13 year old who just found, who just discovered Led Zepp or like a like a they've seen heavy metals on VHS. Exactly. You know? they, they just listened to heavy metal. They're they're real into Death Leopard, etc. Um blah, blah. letters insult Tharg, seem to insult Tharg, but then pull a pull a not oh, okay. at the end. So it's like the opposite of an insult. Fuck. I don't know if you get it. You say all these things. You yeah, say, I, I remember the 90s. You say, Fox, I, I hate you. You're ugly. Not. But uh, see, the problem with that statement is that you're being sarcastic about it so that you can cover your own ass for saying something. Maybe you have to be from Kazakhstan to really get it. Like, this podcast is over. Borat. This some, podcast is over. Makes him uh, go, go complain about it to my wife. <laughs> All right, this podcast is back on. <laughs> this podcast is back now. Um, anyway, you made the joke I like. Hey, it's fine. Um, blah, blah, blah. There's ululating con- congrats or congrats about flesh, complaints about wireheads, a high concept misdelivered letter, and a request for more star pro- profiles. Hey, there's one this issue. And the prog ads, which is a pretty dope seeming to me ad for. I- the From dark, Dracula. Yeah, it's the Dark Horse comic adaption of the movie Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, the sexiest Dracula. Mm, it's definitely got boobs. Written by Roy Thomas with art by Mike Mignola of Hellboy fame. Oh, shit. Even the cover looks real cool, and that's because Mignola is pretty great. And also, this is actually really well-timed because the movie came out right at the start of 93 in the well, UK. Well, that's the thing. is like I love that Dracula film. There's it's a fun. bunch of great subtext going on in like... 
it so you have everything going on in the foreground and shit, but everything going on in the background. Yeah, I love all the really stuff with like, with like the, the movie theaters. Stuff. Yeah. The movie theater scene where they're all watching like uh, mm-hmm. uh, the the projections in the thing, and he's coming in, and suddenly all of it's porn. <laughs> Like it's it's great. I, gotta re- I haven't watched that movie in a long time. It's I gotta check very it out. very good. All right, cool. it's not garbage, and you know how much I love garbage. Here first, that's sort of you know between films. Keanu Reeves doing his thing. You know? Oh, that's right. It was Baby Boy Keanu. That's right. Post Bill and Ted, but yeah. pre Matrix. It's a weird time for him. It's when we could get him shirtless and have him like fly up the side of a wall with a bunch of nude ladies. He'll do that, whatever. I that's mean, he's just not his, doing that anymore. That's just, I don't know. He eats a sad sandwich on a bench. Fox, I don't know how to tell you this, but like that was actually 15 years ago. <laughs> Like, like sad Keanu is like, oh, or, that's early. And that's like Internet 1.0, buddy. Listen, I, you'd I find that you'd find that on You're the Man now, dog. Or something. I only remember things from past. I can't remember things from the present. I guess that's common, actually. Yeah, that's what I mean. Deep. Anyway. You know what's also deep, Fox? No, do you know what's completely shallow? The concept and- of alternate realities like we see in God. Thrill 5. Robo Hunter. Shoot me. <laughs> Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Anthony Williams and Jose Casanova, sledding robot Ellie DeVille. Okay, Fox. Last time, a bunch of Sam Slade's alternate realities been brought together to fight a Terminator style Slade with a monkey sidekick, and he's goddamn Wolverine claws. He's the only good character. He's the coolest one. I will say Mark Miller won't actually work on Wolverine until 2008, so this is the shape of things to come. <laughs> One of the Sams hits hits all Terminator Sam with an energy blast and sends the baddie flying. But Sam gets up and throws a manhole cover, taking out two Sams and hitting the fuel tanker and the explosion. The lady Sam gets blasted, and the Iraqi Sam gets Sam gets impaled and called oh, a racial slur. Yeah, no. As soon as I saw that, I was just like, "This is what we're going with." Huh? I don't think it was really that much of a racial slur in uh, 1993. But he's not a Sikh. Not a cool thing to say, no. Well, it said like they're completely different religions. I don't want. I don't listen. I'm not gonna. I don't. I I refuse to get in a fight parsing a racial slur. That's fox. fine. I um, agree. He also drops the reality bomb that we're fighting over, though. The final alternate uh, Slade tries to jump Sam, but then is stabbed with body spikes because evil Slade can grow them like the T1000. It's down to just our Sam and Sam, and Ugh. Sam goes in fast with the reality bomb. He jams it into Sam's throat, and I set it off because I guess Terminator Slade's skin is so tough that it contains the blast, but then cooks him from the inside out but like the he's a hot pocket. on the outside, not the inside. Well, yeah, but it protects in both. Haven't you? It's like in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where... Um, oh, he gets tracks, inside the giant tries to monster jump and stabs in, through it. But he's, he's the skin, his, his hide's just as tough on the inside as on the outside, so you can't actually stab your way out. I just feel like I'm thinking about Sam Slade too. The day is saved, <laughs> and Sam blows the head off of Sam's monkey buddy. The voyeur heads home, and I guess Sam is going to score with the other lady he met at the bar that earlier in the story. The end of Robo Hunter Fox. Or is it? Robo Hunter will return right now. Ugh. Fuck this. Jose Casanova's <laughs> is on art for this story. Why? But the credit card incorrectly attributes him as Anthony Williams. Bad form. Why did they make him do it? This story is called Serial Stunners. 
Sam Slade watches TV as a cop on the beat is choked by a dude with zippers for eyes and mouth. He's got a Corinthian on the thing. Um, and he's followed by a cavalcade of insane killers, including a dude with syringes for fingers. And it looks a little bit like Jigsaw. Yeah, I got a kind of a joke or a Joker look, maybe. Yeah. Joker by way of Edward Scissorhands. There's a blue dude with big Ooh. circular saws on his arms. Dude with three dots on his face and a jacket. It's very loud. <laughs> Syringe singer, <laughs> finger stabs the cops. We cut to a police briefing. Oh, the serial stunners are knocking out public figures and arranging them in silly situations as we see the cop. Floating through the air upside down to tutu with a bunch of fruit and vegetables tied to him, a smiley face painted on his chest. Meanwhile, Sam Slade is taking out a murderous dentist robot, and we do see a frankly terrifying room full of bloody mouth yeah, corpses no. here. And like him grabbing their like dead corpse mouths and drilling out their teeth. It's do horrifying. not like it. That's right. Um, anyway, Sam shows up and kicks the bot out a window onto the wheels of an oncoming truck. As news reports worry at the serial stunner, what the serial stunners will make of an upcoming royal visit. Their leader, Joe Needles, is planning their next move. Sure. They're all sure that they'll take out that queen mother. But he just says, hey, maybe it's time to teach that snecker Sam Slade a lesson. I'm sure I want someone to shore this comic book for pages. Next time, the boy who loves Sam Slate. Hate this. All right, let's keep moving. <laughs> Speaking of reboots, Fox. Oh, you're good. Thrill Six Strontium Dogs. Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Nigel Dobbin, lettering robot Ellie DeVille. Little while since we've seen artist Nigel Dobbin. We, Dobbin, we last saw him doing Trash at the start of 92. Oh, yeah. And he did a dragon tail that year, although... In, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> in, in my heart, he's always the Medivac 318 artist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the ruins, Fox of Salisbury Cathedral, where the doghouse crashed 2000 year, or two years ago... Ending the final solution plotline two years ago. So, in other words, we need to make sure that we have enough exposition to explain exactly what's been happening this whole time for a couple pages. It's fine. An escape pod opens up, and from it comes the Gronk! Oh, my poor heart. <laughs> oh, the Gronk. This place is full of destructions and dead bodies, and Gronk is very confused. We flash back to the old days when the Gronk served as the medic for Strontium Dog, Johnny Alpha, and Alpha's partner, Wolf. But we learn, and this had not been previously told to us, but after Wolf died, the Gronk quit the adventuring life and went to work as a medic aboard the doghouse. As you do. I mean, that was the hero of the Gronks. Yeah. But then, one day, the alarms went off and the Gronk was told to evacuate by Maeve of the Betty Arts. I love Maeve. Ah! I love that she shows back up. Definitely. There's some love here, obviously. Yeah, well, you know, this is an, this is definitely a, a, a deep cut of Strontium Dogs. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like, um, you know, this is might have been one by Ennis and Dobbin here. We'll recall that Dobbin worked with Maeve's creator, Hilary Robinson, and Medivac 318, for okay. instance. Because I, I will look down my nose at some of this. Oh, but yeah. I will tip my hat to a Maeve of the Medivac. I appreciate the little cameo, you know? Uh, the Gronk then got in an escape pod and survived that dramatic confrontation, but the escape pod didn't have thrusters, so instead it crashed. And I guess he's just been in a coma since then. I mean, he's fine. I guess, like, there's enough metal for him to eat. Yeah, and muscles didn't atrophy or anything, so that's good. Um, 
Anyway, not sure where to go. The Gronk just kind of toddles off into the rad, ravaged countryside, eventually making the hundred or so mile trek from Salisbury Cathedral to Milton Keynes. I looked it up. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's a long way. Yeah. It was once a huge mutant ghetto, but it's now been burned and cleared out by British troops. I'll say I do like what happens next. So, like, especially in reading this first part, I'm like a very bought in, mm-hmm. especially with how all of this exchange is about to go down. Yeah, definitely. I like this opening it's as well. It's cute and I love it. And yeah. it's endearing. Because the city's not fully deserted because a bunch of those of a goblin mutant kids find the Gronk and will recall these kids as being the ones that went with Johnny Alpha and Feral to that alternate like uh, demon reality. Oh, that's right. And they're hidden the in the cave. Yeah, and, and hidden the cave at the end of the final solution. And they're the ones that like Johnny sacri- uh, that Johnny sacrificed himself to save along with Pharaoh at the end of that story. And they're like super good guys. They're like, oh, who's who's that? I don't know, but like, let's fucking check this out. Yeah, and they're very they're very friendly. friendly and like ask what he's doing and like want to help him out and stuff like that. I think it's nice. Um but yeah, so they so when Gronk asks about Johnny Alpha, he then, you know, they have to break the bad news because they were there for it, which was that uh Johnny Alpha's dead, buddy. And naturally of course the Gronk has a heart attack. Gronkage. That is their move. I mean, and Gronk any age <laughs> will is prone to heart attack the slightest shock. But this isn't just any kind of heart attack. No, fuck. this is now his second bestest friend. This is a heart attack that activates a dormant part deep in the base of the Gronk's brain. The aggressive part. See, yeah, when you have a mouth that's in the middle of your body that is basically your stomach mouth, mm. those things can't be good normal. They just try to be good on even, principle. Even if you just eat metal or something like that. Oh, so God, it's terrifying. He, he pops back up and he's ready for payback. The the Goblin Kids explain that it's been two years since then, and in that time, New Britain is, t- has been taken over by military dictatorship. Royally boned. Yeah. It will not royally bone because the... King's been replaced by a by a hunter or something. Um, military dictatorship's taken over. Every mutant's been exiled or is on the run. It's no good fighting back. So these guys have been hiding on the rubble. But Gronk's not satisfied with that, Fox. Oh boy! Instead, he wants to learn more specifics about Johnny's death. And you can tell that he's really cool and brusque because he calls Johnny Alpha now. You know, oh. as opposed to Mister Johnny or something. Um, we get some more backstory about the death of the other Strontium dogs, and Gronk decides he needs more intel on Feral and the others. And that probably means, like, breaking into a military base and, you know, in- interrogating an intelligence officer. The goblins discuss it for a moment and decide they're in. Gronk gra- grabs a skateboard, and they're off. This is exactly the 90s, where it's like, let's break into a military base, skateboard people. Absolutely, a yeah, very... Very much so. Just the Gronk on a skateboard is like, oh, yes, 1993. Um, but first they head back to the wreckage of the doghouse where Gronk goes foraging for gear. When suddenly an, ar- an army patrol in an open top vehicle arrives, they start blasting the place with a minigun. When Gronk finds a Westinghouse variable cartridge blaster, like Johnny Alpha used to use, oh, and boy. gives the tank a face full of number four cartridge. Destroying which is it. just dis- like disintegrate. Anything it comes into contact with. I guess so. Anyway, it's time to head for the nearest military base. Gronk used to hang out with some of the toughest people in the galaxy. So now it's time to kick some ass. He said ass. The Gronk said ass. I don't don't like it. 
I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it either. At the Viscount Bar in Andover, a heavily armed Gronk bursts through the doors. A mustachioed human jerk tries to scare him to death, but this Gronk, made of sterner stuff, shoots, shoots that him dude in the, in the face. face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is good comedy. It's pretty good. Good, like, response to this. Just a very, like, half-lidded eyes shoot him in the face. Yes, about this intelli- about an intelligence officer, everybody in the bar immediately points one out and he grabs him. And then he and the goblins soon arrive at a nearby army base. It's heavily fortified, but we learn in a news report that one number three cartridge result took to explode an ammo dump and completely destroy the Vindaloo first Fusiliers. Oh, they were <laughs> they were named after like like dish. Yeah, it's tough. The Gronk is now a wanted man, um, alien, whatever. Meanwhile, in a weird Science apartment, no, Fox. You know what? Please, and then we'll. I'll check back in later. It's got big computers, but also there's washing hung up everywhere. The bald, bearded professors X and Z, and um, just note the letters on their foreheads for their names. Discuss the enigma of a hostile Gronk pulling out a scrapbook heralding the capture of Hitler by Johnny and Wolf. They identify this Gronk and theorize correctly about his motives. They resolve to use the Gronk to find the remaining Strontium dogs and collect their bounties so that they can upgrade their lab from the trailer that they're currently in being, like, towed behind a truck or something. Meanwhile, the Gronk interrogates the lisping Thekken Lieutenant. Which, uh, they start making fun of this guy. We were talking about this earlier, and I was like, I immediately don't like that. Don't make fun of people with lisps. And then the Gronk comes in and says the same thing, where it's like, don't can make fun of someone with a lisp. They can't help that. Yeah, I talk I weird like, too. Fuck you. No, well, because everybody's got a quirk, man. Yeah, be cool. Like, fuck off. Totally. Well, except for Deku, my hero academia. Cut it out, Conrad. Cut <laughs> it I'm out. I'm sorry. All right. Um. So the the uh the the, the, the lieutenant um reveals that Pharaoh was last seen as part of an insurrection a month or two back. The events of our previous Strong Team mm-hmm. Dog story, you'll recall. Um, so it looks like Gronk is going intergalactic again. Intergalactic Gronk Terry. Mm-hmm. Intergalactic. That's another it. dimension. Another dimension. <laughs> Don't. Another suspension. Another suspension. <laughs> Time. Don't you tell me to Gronk. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my heart says is going to stop. <sighs> All right. Um, buh, buh, buh. Oh, God. Blah, blah. Meanwhile, the professors, now stuck on the side of the road, theorize they should also head to Parnell's world, and then plan to make an unstoppable undercover killing machine to take out the remaining Strontium dogs, probably minus Middenface and Durham, who they refer to obliquely. It's going to be the Gronkinato. I hate this. I don't like this idea. About it's it. what you'd expect. I'm just sort of I know a robot exa- exoskeleton. See, this is the thing. Of a Gronk. I know exactly what's going to happen out of this, unless it's like an adorable Gronk story happens where the Terminator Gronk becomes friends with the Gronk. That's what I hope. But instead, I think it's just going to be a Terminator Gronk cut and dry. Mm, and next, I'm not going to be happy. Next time, Gronks in space. <laughs> I do I do appreciate that. Yeah, that sounds good. But is it the pigs in space or the Jews in space? I guess I was going pigs. I was going, well, because this is, this is, so the Muppet show showed up before that. Mm-hmm. But I believe Jews in space was before the Muppet shows. Well, I feel like both of them are like drawing from like same. old serials and things like that in general. You know, I mean, you know me. 
cross-pollination. I know you're a big, uh, what you call it, Mel Brooks dude. I've seen you. You're always being like, it's good to be the king. And like, oh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. That was pretty good. <laughs> wow, Robin Hood. Yeah. Like. I, I will say, though, uh, uh, Achoo was. You always tell me to put, you're always saying that, that, that you're putting on the Ritz. I've seen you. Putting <laughs> on the Ritz. <laughs> anyway. Hey, speaking of putting something on something, Fox, it's Thrill 7 Flesh. Mm, what you say? Oh, well, I only bid well. Well, of course you munched. <laughs> Script by Pat Mills and Tony Skinner. Art by Carl Critchlow. Letter about Steve Potter. <sighs> Rest in peace, my giant scabies. Yeah, they aren't in the same prog, so it's not quite a Pat Mills power hour. But still, the assault on the human base by these badass dinos led by Dino Whisperer Shamana, is on. But it's versus, like, people flying in jet engine dual seaters and, like, a dude with, like, a Chainosaurus arm Yeah, no, they they planned ahead a little bit. It's all awesome. The things that are about to converge are both things where it's like, I want the Chainosaurus playset to fight against my Shamana playset. Absolutely. Like, one of my friends has all the Shamana stuff, and I've got, like, the... Whatever. This is a this is a playset that I want. Yeah, there is just a nice double page that shows Shimana riding out on her dinos and then all the humans oh God, prepping with the, their technologies. The yeah. With their scythe bombs. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get there. Hold on, buddy. Yeah. Um, this time though, head of security Sonia Martinez thinking ahead, so we've got all these human jerks riding out to a preemptive strike instead of get under siege like happening. Doing in the first napalm flesh. on my dino babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, um, Martinez has sweet sunglasses, and she's also being helped by evil tech jerk Dr. Tubal here, rolling out a bunch of new weapons to take out the dinosaurs. They drop some super napalm on the dinosaurs. But then my favorite bomb bomb name of all time since the Planet Buster. Ooh, I hope it's the Scythe Bomb. It's the Scythe Bomb. You drop it, and it cuts things in half. <laughs> Somebody's been playing too much Monster Hunter because that's like what you that's, get. Yeah, you exactly. Bow gun or whatever. You, gotta, you gotta like shoot explosive things at their tail parts so that it blows up and you get extra people. Absolutely. I'm there with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they drop, yeah, so they drop that, the soup, they drop the super napalm. We see the scythe bomb cutting up a bunch of ankylosaurs. There's these little torpedoes that run on little wheels that just fly oh, right into dinos and blow them up. I forgot about the wheel torpedoes. <laughs> Or wheel pedos. Really. Yeah. Um, still, though, the advance continues as Shimano rides a Styracosaurus into a lab, cra- into a land crab tank, and which, cuts it open with a dinosaur tooth. Yeah, like, no or problem. like, or like the horns or something rip it open, and then she jumps into the hole and just stabs the shit out of buddy of everybody in there. But Martinez sees Shimano and wants the wild woman killed. Her death will end the dinosaur revolution. I mean, we all know what's going to happen. A pair of sky guns cease their napalm runs and go down to target Shimana, where the giant Grak who leaps into the sky and plucks the ships out of there, stomping a jeep as he does so. It's pretty cool. You know he's awesome because he's got that middle hair business. Yeah, he's got that. He's got got kind of that long high and tight or whatever. Mm. that, that, That long hawk going. Meanwhile, the other plane just gets taken out by a bunch of swarming pterosaurs. (laughs) And, well, this is the thing. If you have a flying craft, make sure that you are covered on all sides, not just because of the high speeds, but potentially because, hey, we're in dinosaurs Yeah, they're going to come in there. It's going to bite you up. 
They're ripping the skin off of his alive face. It's pretty awesome. Meanwhile, tiny dino oh, Aika is gathering herbs when he finds an injured human in a T-Rex skin vest. Aika goes to treat the human's wounds, thinking it's a dinosaur by making a poultice out of and stinking... so, of course, you use death cap. Yeah, well, he uses the dino's favorite, the stinking purple death cap mushroom. But when he forces it into the human's mouth, it just turns him purple and kills him. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's great. Squeeb, squeeb. Mean, um... Sorry, I always love just a very personal, very casual murder, which this is. <laughs> well, I mean, a bunch of purple goo shoots out of him. Absolutely. Back in the battlefield, Martinez is about to snipe Shimana when her aim is fouled by Dr. Tubal. No. Because like all evil dudes, he needs Shimana alive. You I fool. Need, I need to check out her stuff so I know if she's got, like, dino things that we can make. We could have ended, ended it here. Elsewhere, the dino fight continues as Shimana's... This is my favorite picture, by the way, of Kagrek, or Kagrak, just like tongue out, like... Getting ah. pierced by a ton of lasers and shit. He gets shot up by lasers, but he's too jacked up on adrenaline to be stopped by him. Instead, he makes it to his tank and rips it open. The holes he makes are too small for his jaws, but... Smaller raptor, knee shraka gets in there Beautiful. instead. Just eats the shit out of those dudes. Fuck yeah, they're tasty meals. Absolutely. But then once that tank is destroyed, Kagrak feels the severity of his wounds. I am not down, okay with Kagrak dying. It's a bummer. Shimana notices and runs to her foster brother, wailing her sorrow over her dying kin. She mews and mufas. Absolutely. Well, well, she calls Mufa. She, she's calling her friend Mufa, yes. Um, the other dinos, including the chameleonic Mufa, come out to help Kagrak, like get him to stand up and get him to safety or something. But in the end, he falls down dead. Shimana mourns, and that pause is, is more than enough for her and Mufa to get caught in... in Martinez's grav beam and both woman and dino are to be taken to Dr. Tubal's presumably evil lab. Let me tell you something, Conrad, that I know about female tyrannosaurs, which is what she ostensibly. Yeah. If you kill her son, she will be indifferent, but still murder. (laughs) I don't know about murdering her brother, but this one seems pretty pissed. Yeah, well, because like if there's one if there's one thing I know from an old, old one eye fox, it's that her I will murder you meter. It was she was born with it at eleven, and it was at eleven for the her entire life. Yeah, yeah. No, this one was like I'm gonna fuck with you. I'm gonna make sure that you're Shimana, away. who acts as though acts like a T Rex but is still a human at heart, can be forced into situations where her emotions. Give her additional power. That's my assumption. That is what I believe is going to happen. And I hope that she rips the heart out of these people and eat. Me too. Next time on Flesh, Under the Knife. Maybe Dr. Tubal's, but also the knife of Shavada. She likes stabbing fools. And with that, buddy. Oh, well, with that, well, gosh darn. We finished the thrills for this first month of 1993. And I got to know from you. What are your top and bottom thrills? Okay, so so I want to start with bottom obvious. I would love to say Robo Hunter, but there were only two. Ooh, I didn't like them, mm-hmm. but the bottom absolutely has to be 
or sorry, fucking flesh. Jesus, what am I talking about? Dead meat. This is the problem that I have with two things being meat related. To be, yeah, they, they are very similar names. Absolutely. So, uh, dead meat. Remember when we, because I, I keep bringing this up, I remember going to Horse Congress. Yeah. Right? And that was hilarious. And I'm like, there's, so, and the bad guy was just completely crazy because that's what this lends itself to. And there is some of that, but it's trying to like have intrigue. And I'm like, no, there is no intrigue in a in a thing called dead meat. It's like, oh, I'm the lady who's got all the stuff and I had the meat. And I'm like, no, nah, man, the best part was the Texan guy. You don't need the misdirection. Like, make him just bad. Absolutely. There's just too many side stories, too much fucking ram. All of it is not what I want to read. I get why people are kind of put off by it. Mm. But I, I will say the first one is easily a gem. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just that horse parliament is it's so good it's like on a on a line graph where you've got one point that's so high that it makes the rest of the graph look like a straight line basically oh yeah absolutely i mean look some of this is okay it's not funny though like the the crazy the crazy yeah. dude on the boat who's like i'm yeah. just gonna kill all the things i yeah, love killing first but i'm not serving meat look at how crazy i am yeah the bad guy in the first one was such a captain planet villain that even this ridiculous Texan is not quite as crazy about it. Exactly. Cause he's just like, I'm, he's like a, a, a person of his situation as opposed to, I just want to, yeah, you're right. Captain planet yeah. villain this shit. And then he had a secret horse farm. In so anyway, dead meets at the bottom. Yeah. Now here's the problem with top. Mm. It's not going to be the ground strontium dog. All right. Uh, there are it's like a half and half for them because I liked part of it. I like this Gronk. I think it would have been stronger if Gronk didn't just snap into a different personality, but mm. instead like became this thing where it's like, God damn it. Like I've got to overcome this because then you'd have like tribulations with the hard and like all this other stuff. But he's pushing through instead. It's just like, no, on switch, he's a badass. Yeah, right? like it'd be I agree. I think that. It'd be better if they had just like if the aggression thing meant that like as opposed to just going full badass, it just meant that he wouldn't be falling down from heart attacks constantly or something like exactly. that. But even then, that's something like, you know, I've got a lot of time for a hero who's persevering over their personal exactly. challenges, you know, and it's a bummer that basically the first thing they do is just get rid of it is remove that block. But and that's so, what I loved from the yeah, Gronk. Before. And so now the only thing that Gronk has is that he's occasionally underestimated. Well, and, and he's and, got, and he talks funny. And is that who the Gronk is now? Right. Or does the Gronk randomly switch back at some point where it's like, Oh, I did all these things. I'm fainting. It, it would have been so much better that they, he overcomes his obstacles as something because yeah. that's the whole purpose of the mutants. The right. whole purpose of I mean that's the point of, of why Wolf actually embraced Johnny. I mean, frankly, it's the point of stories, right? Of characters yeah. just overcoming. Thank you. Overcoming adversity, not just to flipping succeed. a switch and doing a fucking kickflip. Yeah, three sixty. Like it's no, yeah, it's less, yeah, it's less of a thing of just you have a problem, but then just you immediately get rid of it at the start of the story. You know? So, and and I would give it to Flesh. I would mm -hmm. because I love it because I love it, Conrad. All of the action playset shit that I love, a, a little bit of drama that mm -hmm. I'm giving it to Dread this time, Tom. Because it's for the start of a year, like every single Prague, it was a funny thing going on. Yeah. Like it was engaging, it was different art, it was fun to read. 
Yeah. I haven't given Dread the Top in a little while, and this felt well-deserved. I like a new year, new year, silly shit. Yeah, that's fine. So with that, Conrad, mm. give me your top and bottoms, baby. Oh, man. I mean, I'll definitely join you with, with, with Dread for my top. I really like Dread this month. Like you said, just a bunch of fun and funny one-off Dread stories by some really good artists. Um, great way to start a year for Dread and just a great way to kind of pull, you know, to, yeah, like, like, like you said in the show, just to start the comic off on a, on a good foot. I love, I love how it ends the, the, uh, the, the first thrill. With just like the dead people on a conveyor belt in recycle being like, sure. hey, happy new year. Like, yeah. what's up, buddy? Talking to each other, semi-zombified and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, that's a lot of fun. For my bottom. Eh. I You can pick Sam Slade any day and I will not shit on um, you. Have, like, I agree that dead meat is not great. But like. Please say Robunt. The one-two punch of knowing that we had a sto- had a full story that we finished in this prog and then that we're starting a new one Two this episode later and we'll be going through that story next episode i'm not happy about it it's like it's like that joke in the simpsons where homer puts in a note asking for fewer apples in the vending machine <laughs> and then burn gets it and says oh don't worry you'll have plenty of apples <laughs> Like I'm being, I feel like we're being taunted a little bit by all this Robo Hunter. I, I so I just don't understand because I guess I'm just not seeing the like the avalanche of people asking for Robo because I don't yeah, think there is. It doesn't seem like like the letters pages aren't like the letters were. I, I I'm not like in my non thrill stuff hiding and a bunch of letters talk about how much they love the new Sam Slade. Or how much they like love that we're getting so much of this story, but we're getting a lot of it. You it's know? a lot. Because, I mean, like I said last time, I think just the fact that they've got this like two artist team so that, you know, they can have Williams work while Casanova's is being published and vice versa and mm. stuff like that. There's a lot of resources to being putting out Robo Hunter. And man, just that top line thing. In eight in eight nineteen, that was like, hey, great Robo Hunter news. The start of a Robo Hunter story, like a slap in the face, Fox. I'm done. Like I, I really am done with Robo Hunter. I may never want to read a Sam Slade story again. <laughs> well, you're gonna. I right? no, I, I know, and it's so unfair because I'm going to come into it from now on as somebody who has read this with you from the start. I used to mm-hmm. love Sam Slade. Mm-hmm. Now look at us. Oh, yeah, no, now it's uh, for, I mean. We've I, been reading Judge Dredd the whole time. Yeah, no, I think we got annoyed at Slade at some point in the original. The singing run. one, the sing-song yeah. one for Brits. I think the general, like, idea of just having some noir robo-fighting and stuff like, like, but also humorous was really great. And, man, they're just. But it's not that funny anymore. This is just not that. Yeah. No, it's not as good. It's not very good. And he just, just seems kind of like an asshole who appears yeah. to. I mean, I imagine it's someone to stretch their writing and art chops. That's I mean, it's very it. much just like a gritty reboot of the Slade character, basically. Like getting characters that are with villains that are grimier and stuff like that, and less of a focus on humor, sort of making just fun feel of like his past played and out. stuff. It's, it's not as good. Out. Yeah. No, it's bad. Anyway. Absolutely. Anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, Google Play, or Spotify, or podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. 
The 2008 forums are our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter page. On Twitter, at SpaceBinner2K. For everything else, go to SpaceBinner2000. We should be there. And why not drop us a rating or review? Wherever you're listening, it helps us out. I like that. Yeah, come on. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, Zim, Kip Miller, Nick Kleinsorge, and your friends at the 2008 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network, and there you can support the show and receive excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2018, the magazine, and monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. They're pretty good. I mean, I'm on them, so I like it. We got to do it more. Come no, back true. next time as we'll continue most of these stories and just get deeper into 1993. I'm pretty excited, Fox. But I'm I also, not. There's more Robo Hunter. Yeah, I also didn't write a usual comeback next time as things here. But listen, pretty much all this stuff continues. It's going to be fine. It's not. Okay. Robo Hunter's in it. Yeah, it's probably not. Until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Fitter 2000. Don't Don't Conrad, when you weren't here in my mm-hmm. room, mm-hmm. what I could do is I could press this and allow you to do your intro. No interruption, because it would just mute it. Sure. And so now what I've got to do. I feel like the most important part of, of you doing this is the eye contact. It's because I want you to know. <laughs> it's very important. It's I'm not doing this to spite you. Mm. I am doing this for my negative. Fair. So ridiculous. If you're so inclined, I'm I'm ready to start my close-up mystery. All right, let's do it.